who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin' is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a spoiler review for What If here from the Geek Buddies! (gasps) Thanks for joining us. We are on the precipice or on the cusp of the last episode of the first season of What If. This is episode eight. So much happened. What if Ultron won? We're going to break this whole thing down. This is a spoiler review so if you haven't seen the episode go watch the episode come back and keep watching this review and enjoy our back and forth about it let's introduce ourselves first i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the outlaw nation and the geek buddies mike i am michael vogel i'm a writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and currently has strawberry shortcake out there for you to watch on youtube and currently has strawberry shortcake out there on youtube that you can check out on the strawberry shortcake youtube page thank you very much absolutely and writing one of the some of the episodes and uh proposed one of the brand new characters for strawberry shortcake right down there shannon mcclung and this is shannon mcclung i'm an animation writer and a television actor where you will eventually be able to see me writing something on strawberry shortcake i think it's gonna be in october but mike would be able to tell you for sure it will be your first episode will be in october because it is a halloween themed episode i should have thought it was a it was a while ago it was a while ago i don't remember (laughs) There you go. Well, uh, joining us and eclipsing all of our accomplishments at such a young age and going to accomplish so much more, I'm sure, uh, is Emma Fife finally back to hang out with us. I know. How are you? Been a doozy. Look, you don't accomplish stuff in life by um, not having last minute crazy meetings and things come up, which has been the story of my life for the past several weeks. Um, And no, it is great to be back. And also, 
what an episode to come back for. Seriously. Yes. Because, you know, we all thought, obviously, the, the, the sort of connecting thread through all of these is this idea of there being this big multiverse of Marvel-ness out mm. there. But it's all even more connected than we realize. <laughs> That's true. And it does certainly come uh, uh, show us that later on in the episode. We're going to break this whole thing down. First, let's go around the horn and uh, give our overall thoughts on this episode. Mike, what would you think about this episode eight here? What if Ultron had won? Uh, kind of echoing Emma's thoughts, I think we all knew that this was going to be the first of like the two-parter where everything kind of mm. connected. But even knowing that that was going to happen, holy shit, what a way to do it. Uh, you know, I think that I tweeted when the episode came out that my uh, my rankings of threat levels for MCU villains has now drastically changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They did such a good job. Uh you know, each one of these episodes kind of takes the, well, what if this little thing happened and what would change? Right. Um, mm -hmm. But the, oh yeah, what if Ultron had actually made it into the vision body that he had built for himself? And you're like, oh yeah, there's just no stopping him now. This mm -hmm. is this is batshit crazy. So it was great. Uh, the animation, as always, was spectacular, even more spectacular uh, than usual in some moments. And also just uh, a thousand little details that... If you're a hardcore MCU fan, if you're a fan of these movies and you've watched them a billion times like we all have, a mm. thousand little details that made what would have been a great episode anyway even more enjoyable, even better. So I was I'm I'm thrilled and I can't wait till next week to see the assembled team to defend the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> we might be getting an extra long episode. I don't know. Emma, uh, anything more to add on your overall thoughts on this episode? Just that I really enjoyed Clint and Natasha in this episode. I really loved their interactions. And um, this continues to do what I have really enjoyed about the What If series overall, which yeah. is giving these great moments to these characters who we got a taste of in the MCU films. But mm -hmm. I don't know, for some reason, this, this little TV show seems to do them all justice even more so than the films. That's a great point. Uh, Shannon, this is, as, as uh, Emma mentioned, Natasha Romanoff and Clint Barton teaming up to destroy killer robot Ultron following a cataclysmic event. This seems to have approached, um, uh, this, the approach seems to be about satisfying people who had complained about the use of Ultron in Age of Ultron, who had complained about getting a little bit more with Hawkeye and with Black Widow. Do you feel that they have satisfied that section of the fandom after having watched this episode. Well, I can't say whether or not they have satisfied that section of the fandom. I can say that they, they certainly satisfied me. I mean, I thought <laughs> Ultron was a great bad guy in a meh movie. And watching what he is able to do um, as a result of what he's able to gather throughout this episode, it, it was awesome. And I mean, this this episode provided a very specific brain fry mm. of uh, mm. a, a voice that really sounds like James Spader coming out of a character where you're used to hearing Paul Bettany. Um, mm. So it was just such a cool, mm -hmm. cool design. I mean, I agree with Vogel on the animation. I thought some oh, of the yeah. acting in between uh, Clint and Nat was some of the best animated acting that they have done thus far just from their facial expressions but the design of of infinity stoned uh ultron was just the i mean he looks so otherworldly so demonic almost i mean mm. just awesome awesome Ult awesome awesome ultra vision i don't know that's what i like to call him ultra vision, ultra vision. That, that, ain't, that, ain't, that ain't vision <laughs> That's Ultron. <laughs> well, that's, that's all the Vision's powers with Ultron's mindset. But yeah, anyway, we'll get into all that. We're going to break it down and spoil it here section by section. We're going to break it down into four sections. So if you have not watched the episode, this is your last spoiler warning. Go and watch it and then come back and join us here as we go forward. So three, two, one. That's all you get. All right, let's go. What if Ultron won? Written by Matthew Chauncey, directed by Brian Andrews. As we start off, the watcher tells us we've been here before. A universe in the final days of destruction. It And he reveals that this particular story, though, 
breaks his heart. And little did we know what he was teasing us about as we went along in this episode. We cut to Black Widow and Hawkeye. They're fighting off some Ultron sentries in a bombed out wasteland that we find out later is Russia. She says they have 90 seconds. She apparently has the most indestructible mobile motorcycle in the world. Barton has an invisibility cloak and is constantly shooting these sentries down. He's clearly been do- reading his Harry Potter. And he gets his <laughs> robot arm shot off by one of the sentries. Interesting. So it's Barton who has the robot arm in this particular universe. Wanda saves him and makes some kind of pun about giving him a hand. And they are worried that the Ultron sentries, if they hadn't taken these Ultron sentries out with a few seconds to spare, they would have contacted the Ultron hive mind. And as I said, we realized there for the next shot that we're in Russia. And then the Watcher takes us back to the creation of Ultron in the MCU. And in this universe, though, he tells us, Ultron got the vision body, whereas in the universe we have, he did not, and he laid waste to the planet. He absolutely killed all the Avengers. We see him kill Stone Tony Stark and then set off the nukes that destroys the entire planet, much to Thunderbolt Ross's shock and horror. Uh, then we cut to Black Widow and Hawkeye seeing the missiles falling as Clint whispers Laura. Uh, Ultron is in peace after he's done what he's done. And just then, Thanos shows up out of one of his portals, and he is quickly split in half as Ultron takes the Infinity Stones and becomes, as I like to call him, Ultravision. He sees worlds beyond his own that need him. He uses the stone to create more sentries and sends them out to attack Asgard, the Sovereign, Sakaar, poor Jeff Goldblum, Ego, <laughs> and Xandar. And it is in Xandar when he is when he's absolutely demolishing the planet where he is attacked by Captain Marvel. She makes a Terminator crack. They battle all the way down to the core of Xandar, and it looks like she might win. But Ultron decimates the planet and all the other planets in the vicinity. And he realizes as he's holding Captain Marvel's dead body on a floating piece of planet rock that it is done. And he is sad. Let's stop there. Michael, what a way to open this episode of seeing the full breadth of the Ultron power that we have known in the comics. Seeing it now finally fully in motion here in this opening for this episode. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like almost like they're showing off. Like this opening scene, I mean, <laughs> mm. they just went for it. Like this opening scene was an action sequence that would have been on par with most animated shows, like big third act battle. I mean, mm. it was like all out. You had the sentries, you had Natasha on the motorcycle, you had Clint, like you, like you said, he's got the robot arm, uh, he's got the cloaking technology. Uh, and he also, this is one of those little details that I was talking about. I love that they gave him his Ronin haircut from oh, Endgame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, when his wife and kids die, he goes and gets a haircut. That is his thing. Like, in a, that is that is Clint's post-apocalyptic look, and he is sticking with it. But I love that, you know, particularly because, as you said, you know, I mean, like, him losing his family is something that, like, comes up again for him. It's one of those key pieces in any universe that's one of the most important things for Clint Barton. And so even something as little as, like, choosing that hairstyle for him uh, kind of speaks to where he's at emotionally, which we dive into a little bit further later on. Um and then, yeah, I love going back. I love kind of, I, every time they go back, and each one has done it a little bit differently. I mean, sometimes they use still images. Sometimes they go full animation. Mm-hmm. In the Thor one, they did, like, the storybook images. But I love going back and kind of seeing all the moments of Ultron. Um, it mm-hmm. does remind you how ridiculously stupid Tony Stark can be at times, uh, mm-hmm. which, he, which he is in every universe. And also, What If has reminded us that apparently they just want to kill Tony Stark as many times as possible. He is the Kenny of South Park of the What <laughs> If series. They just keep, they're like, they, Tony Stark, I think might've died in the What If series. I think Robert Downey Jr. said, I don't want to do the voice. And they said, fine. Great. We're just going to kill you repeatedly. Um, I did miss, uh, as soon as Ultron started talking, I miss James Spader because James Spader is amazing. I think he's mm. he, he is, to Shannon's point, one of the reasons that Ultron was an amazing villain in a meh movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but got to give credit to uh, Ross Marquand for like yeah. kind of really nailing that James Spader sort of tone. And he's now two for two in his megalomaniacal villains. Like he has now <laughs> stepped in to be uh, Red Skull 2.0 and <laughs> Ultron 2.0. Right. Um, and then I think I screamed all by myself when... Thanos walked out and Ultron oh. was just like, oh, fascinating. And just split the man. The man who split the universe in half got split in half, which is yeah. really 
really poetic justice. Um, and then, yeah, when he says he's going to bring about peace throughout the entire uh, known universe and goes through and you just get like that every single beat mm-hmm. of all the planets that we love, the characters we love, seeing them all get destroyed. Like, it was amazing. It's cool from a nerdy standpoint. Like, oh, it's all the Easter eggs. It's the Sovereign. It's Xandar. It's this. But, like, it also, if you're a fan of the MCU, it really is affecting. Like, not like mm-hmm. I was emotional about it. I was still in my holy shit, how cool is this mode. But you're like, man, it really does get across just how powerful he is. And then kind of, you know, Captain Marvel being that cherry on top. I did really love her Terminator joke, her Skynet joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mainly because it was, I've seen the Killer Robot movie and I don't think it needs a sequel. It's another little thing. Because Carol Danvers left Earth before Terminator 2 came out. She only right. saw Terminator 1 and doesn't know that there's a bunch of Terminator sequels, many of which are not good. Um, so I thought that was really funny. And yeah, then his him lying there, him kind of having his moment where his program was complete was amazing. And the moment that happened right after it that we'll get to, I guess, on the next one yeah. was even more amazing. Yeah. Uh, Emma, so much to ponder here at this beginning. I mean, we're seeing the full breadth of Ultron's power. We're seeing the desperation in the Watcher's voice initially. He says this one breaks his heart. And we're seeing the camaraderie and companionship between Black Widow and Hawkeye. And Mike's right to point out the haircut. That's really an indication of where he goes to grieve. How did you think, uh, what did you think about how this episode started? Well, I think it was a strong choice because, again, like, I, uh, like, it was a little reminiscent in some ways of the zombies episode of mm. you have these people who are the survivors in the event of an apocalypse, but in this case, the apocalypse was Ultron. It wasn't zombies. Um, right. So, but one of the things that I really enjoy is this idea of you've got, you know, Natasha and Clint, neither of whom have any superpowers. They're just really right. good, good fighters and good at what they do. And I, I love seeing the two of them as survivors and seeing how that friendship and camaraderie is the thing that's like clearly carrying them through this because you know the and and we address later on where clint is at a little bit emotionally as far as everybody being gone and whatnot but i think it was a really strong start to kind of just drop you right into the middle of it instead Mm -hmm. of giving us the lead up which we end up getting afterwards it's a okay this is what things look like right now here's how we got here and then there is a little bit of pondering of like okay so he's gotten everything that he wanted and did everything he needed to do so why are clinton and natasha still contending with like the ultron hive effectively Mm. and we learn exactly why a little afterwards um uh in regards to what ultron is able to achieve uh definitely as far as his own motivations and what why he's doing what he's doing and oh this is the only way that we're going to have peace is basically if we obliterate everything Mm. um you know that's an interesting uh point of view it's more psychotic than thanos's point of view (laughs) which was let's eliminate half the population so truly but again it's like i like that they're so clear about what Ultron's motives are as opposed right. to being like, yeah, he's just here to destroy everything for no reason. And it's like, well, no, like the only way that we can like truly always have like peace and balance is if we just get rid of everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was, uh, look, I, my heart really broke for Jeff Goldblum. I was so, <laughs> yeah, I was so he not looked, expecting that. <laughs> he looks so sad. He just he looks so sad. sad. <laughs> he works so hard master. to get that planet. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, this, uh, Shannon, the intro of this is basically laying the groundwork for what we're going to get throughout the whole movie, right? The old school versus the new school, analog versus digital. This is the battle. The two characters that have been the most vilified by the MCU fans for not having powers, uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye, are the ones left standing to try to save the world and try to stop Ultron, this ultimate digital creation that can absolutely wipe them out at, at no problem but they've somehow eluded him by going old school by going ground uh, ground floor and in, in, in their approach to things so that's going to play itself out as we go along did you like that they chose these two to be the leads of this particular episode here to battle ultron oh i totally did i mean and more towards the end which we'll, which we'll get to because mm. we get a nice reversal of something that's already happened oh, in the movie. I know. Um, yeah. uh, yep. I, I love that M- M- Vogel I thought pointed that out too. Poor, poor Jeff Goldblum. No one's talking about poor Korg. He was, he's the guy oh, that was in front no. that got, that got Korg, annihilated. Korg, Korg went yeah. down fighting. Grandmaster just kind of stood there and was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. And well, I what's have he to gonna point do, out. The laser stick? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. The melting stick? Maybe. <laughs> 
Vogel's love of the Terminator joke. So a little while ago, Vogel and I co-wrote a script together that may or may not see the light of day one day. And he actually put this very same joke in. So if you get to see this project one day and you hear a joke like, hey, they got that from what if I can I can testify. Michael Vogel came up with that joke wow. uh, about 18 months ago. <laughs> um, I loved the opening, thought it was super cool. Definitely uh, noticed the hair as well. In traumatic times, Clint does something extreme with his hair. Um, Watching how um, effective Ultron is with one infinity, one infinity stone to Thanos' yeah. five kind of gives you an idea of just um, how powerful and how uh, uh, villainous <laughs> um, well, Ultron is that he does yeah. not waste any time. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, look at this. All right, you're done. Well, I think I mean, that's fact- what it is. And I, and I think that, you know, what for me, one of the things that made Thanos such a strong, interesting villain, which I was not expecting yes. in the it's MCU. Humanity. Exactly. Was, was yeah. especially on the heels of Black Panther, where you had Killmonger, who was this very sympathetic villain who you totally understood why he was doing what he was doing. To me, Thanos could have very easily been a, you know, big, burly, mustache swirly mm. villain. Yep. Exactly. But he really wasn't. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and there was a lot of pain in terms of him sacrificing Gamora and whatnot. And like Mm -hmm. he, like they're true. And like there is humanity to him. And you see with Ultron, a villain who has no humanity. Yeah, no, right. No, I mean, he is, everything is a means to an end. And what I thought was interesting in this universe is that apparently Thanos did not have to destroy Xandar to get the power stone. Oh, because mm-hmm. in Infinity War, they talk about he had already destroyed Xandar yes. to get the power mm-hmm. stone. I not to get super nerdy, but I was trying to figure this out because if you look at, if you look at the lineup of MCU movies, I kind of like paused it when, oh, uh, yeah. when Thanos came out and I was like, well, where so is this? Is, is the, is the yeah. power stone still on Morag? Like, what what's oh, going on and go, like like where would the power stone be because like Ultron kind of those nukes went off way earlier than when Infinity War would have happened like mm-hmm. like like Hulk wouldn't even have been on Sakaar yet like he was right. well he probably got oh. decimated like mm-hmm. so okay. you know like so you sort of in the what if world you sort of like it's the butterfly effect of like well the Hulk never went to Sakaar and then Thor would still have been on Asgard so did he get so you know you sort of like have to yeah. sort of like, where was everything yep. What, what yeah. happened because Quill did not get, I'm assuming Quill did not get picked up by uh, Yondu in this. So mm. the Power Stone would have been on Morag and well, that's of, when Ronan, you know, he would have, Ronan got he would there have first. Been, doesn't would, none he, of this he, matter because it's a whole different <laughs> universe. So nothing nothing you guys are talking about could have actually happened. Well, I mean, it could have happened. Sure. Sure. It could have happened anywhere. But... The stones sure, could have been could've. anywhere is what I'm saying. It could have, but the, the general yeah. conceit of what if and the fun of talking about it is that each of these universes yeah. is the same as ours except for one change. Like, there, yes, there could have been other changes, but mm. in yeah. general, um, mm. it's fun to just sort of – like, it, look, it doesn't matter. Like, Thanos got the stones. Like, he Thanos did right. it and it was fine. Yeah. Uh, and so it all it all works. It all tracks, I'm sure. But, like, it was yeah. it's just fun to sort of be like, well, where were they? Because, you know, you yeah. don't really know yeah. timeline-wise how long it took – well, because Guardians took place, and if we're going off release date before the right. jump, Guardians took place in 2014, Age of Ultron in 2015. So it would have right. made sense that Thanos but, got the Power Stone from Morag. But Yondu mm-hmm. still would have picked yeah. up Peter because he picked up Peter earlier than that. Not to get nervous. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, but did he, though? Like, he may not have. This could have been a, a reality where he also picked up T'Challa. Are we good? But didn't we okay, we're see? Good. We're good. We're good. But I was like, but didn't we see Peter in the when he was yeah. obliterating yeah, he everybody? Oh yeah, Emma's right. We oh, he was definitely Star Lord. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I think we nailed it. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> glad we glad we worked that one out, guys. Ooh, this Johnny is why you guys. It's like Charlie. Sean, you, can a, you can put a timestamp on this. Yeah, yeah totally this will. is uh, this is why you guys come to the Geek Buddies for this uh, scintillating content right here. I'll cut this out and put it up on Twitter. All right, the, the watcher, the watcher picks up where we just left off here, and I cut it here on purpose because I want this leads into the bigger thing that's happening in the second right. section here. The watcher picks up where we left off and tells us that the realization that Ultron's mission was over nearly broke the machine. He tells us that he has no purpose and he's destined to spend eternity all alone, but that that he's also attained a certain level of consciousness 
And what the watcher discovers, much to his horror, is that level of consciousness means that he can hear and see the watcher. Now, the only other person that we've seen through the whole thing that can also see, or actually probably hear the watcher rather, not see, was Dark Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Interesting. Evil Doctor Strange. The Watcher <laughs> is startled and ponders what damage Ultravision can do to the multiverse. We see the Watcher's location, which is pretty cool, kind of crystal area, I respect it. He claims the machine is not all powerful yet and that there is one hope. And we cut to that hope, which is Black Widow and Hawkeye. And of all places, the KGB archives. I love uh, uh, Barton's reaction here going, Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, and the watcher is watching them literally watching them in the room they're going through each box to find something to dismantle ultravision we cut to multiple boxes later they're strewn across the floor black widow finds i think that's red guardians captain america's shield oh yeah basically mm-hmm. and then hawkeye grabs a box as the watcher says the answer is in the box next to him tries to kind of encourage him or motivate him uh to to it's, it's almost like he's watching a sporting event he's like no 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 go to the left uh, and it, and he doesn't quite grab the box. Then Hawkeye gives up, and him and Black, Black Widow have a back and forth about quitting, about not about how, how he's tired of fighting, uh, and he doesn't want Black Widow to make jokes about this situation. They're in some trouble here. But Black Widow says they need to find an AI that can counteract Ultron's code. It must be analog. And then Black Widow grabs that box to the left and finds Zola's file. Uh, the Watcher says there's still hope, but just then Ultron shows up, crashes through there, and messes with the watcher. All right, let's stop there. Um, Emma, what what a moment. Uh, what a moment. So much going on here. The fact that Ultron can actually communicate with the watcher and get through to the watcher's location, and then Black Widow and Hawkeye finding that Zola file, really Black Widow, finding that Zola file uh, and going forward with it. What do you think about this section of the show? I mean, of all things, Zola. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, I was just like, okay, great. <laughs> Give me some Toby uh. Jones. Uh, no, it was great. Um, I I think that, you know, and again, like it is, I was touching a little bit on this idea of the humanity of Thanos, but also you see this sort of interesting parallel of you've got Ultron who has, it's all about these people like trying to find a reason to continue to live. And it's yeah. like, because we're getting into the conversation here with Hawkeye and Black Widow of I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want you to make jokes about this. Like we're really in trouble. And like, is, is it worth going on and trying to save this? Or is this a lost cause at this point? And that's something that we're also seeing the watcher struggle with as he's Mm. watching them. And he's saying, Oh, you're so close. You're so close. It's just right. It's right there. Should I intervene? You know what I mean? Um, The reveal too of uh, Ultron being able to hear the watcher, I thought was incredibly well done because it was just the watcher doing his regular narration and then suddenly Ultron's making commentary on it and you realize that these two worlds are converging and oh no we're really in a lot of trouble now because the watcher has been there presiding over all of these multiverses and while he's not making sure that like that universe doesn't become our universe there is a level of control that he has Mm. in terms of watching so that there is no interference however now you have ultron who clearly is able to interfere yeah yeah and clearly wants to interfere and we see later on he's gonna uh uh, go after the watcher for not interfering uh in their back and forth a little bit later on in the show shannon am i crazy i kind of respect ultron a little bit just the way i respected thanos i don't want to open that can of worms again with Vogel, but i absolutely respect the fact that thanos is very clear on what he i'm sorry that ultron is very clear on what he wants to do what he needs to do and he and that's one thing that is similar to the previous mcu approach to this character he says in that back and forth with vision near the end that humans are flawed naturally flawed they will eventually kill each other in the long run so why not just do it now so clearly that programming is still very much in his head and it's spread out now to every planet every species he's very clear about what he wants to do and now he's achieved a whole nother level of consciousness and now wants to possibly as we'll see in the next section go after the multiverse so 
uh, am I wrong to like this guy a little bit in a single mindedness? <laughs> I, I'm just going to say I'm not visiting you on Hayward Island this weekend. <laughs> um, that I'm going to take a weekend off. I'm going to keep my charcoal. That's fine. <laughs> at my place. Um, uh, but look, I mean, this is this is the the turn of a character who is succeeding that yes. I mean, it's it's you know, it's he's always trying to find something new to conquer, because even when he talks about uh, when Ultron talks about like, okay, peace. He doesn't look restful. Like mm -hmm. he looks like he, he needs something else to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and it's interesting because I feel like Hawkeye is kind of the same way. Like what was interesting about Hawkeye during the films after the snap is there was no one for him. The, the, the person that was responsible for taking away his family, he could not get revenge on that person. Mm -hmm. So he took out that revenge on anyone he could. Yes. With this, in this universe, he knows who's responsible. It's Ultron. But, you know, when you have a never-ending supply of robots, at some point, like he's like, I, like he said, I'm tired. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't, I'm fighting the same guy again, <laughs> again, and again, and again. So you totally get where, you totally get where Clint's head is at this moment. Natasha is someone who has grown up with trauma. And mm. who knows how to navigate it? Yes, and that's why point. she can pull, yeah. she can pull out that shield and be like, "Hey, is this my color?" And Clint doesn't want to. He doesn't want to joke. I mean, this right. is a guy who is just operating at a loss this entire mm -hmm. time. Um, and something else that I thought, because we're dealing with such a serious moment there, but you get an almost kind of comedic performance from Jeffrey Wright. That, oh what? yeah. Oh no! no! <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting juxtaposition to go from not making light of things, Clint being deadly serious, and the ultimate sort of being in the situation, um, having this sort of, jo not jokey performance, but uh, uh, a little bit of uh, levity. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. No, 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 no. So, yeah, great section. Well, he says, what the hell is this? That's what he says. Um, Mikey, there's a line in Die Hard. Hans Gruber says, when Alexander the Great saw the breath of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Is this where Vision is at the end of this section of the of of uh, of this episode? And then now, when he gets the contact with Watcher, he understands there are now more worlds to conquer. So has joy crept back into his world? Yeah, I mean, the thing about first of all, I've been friends with you for twenty years, but yes. your love and respect for sociopaths does concern me slightly i never said love i never said love you you you, you respect the hell out of them i you respect the hell out of single-mindedness we're all so conflicted and we question ourselves all of our lives yeah they admire of someone who's very clear about what they're doing i don't know the thing the thing that i love about ultron the, the, yeah. the thing that i love about ultron in age of ultron and the thing that i love about ultron here is ultron is lying to himself Ultron is convinced that he is a program that has mm -hmm. a single-minded purpose and must just fulfill that purpose mm. and is denying the fact that he is actually more human than he would like to admit and is a sociopath. And particularly when he gets the Mind Stone, because Vision, as we all know, because we've all wept over Vision for the past year and a half, uh, Vision is more human than most of us. Vision mm. is capable of love. Vision is, Vision is capable of all the emotions, emotions we are capable of. And now Ultron has that Mind Stone. He has the ability to have feelings and all the things that humanity and beings across the galaxies have. And he's still pretending that he is a program that has to fulfill his purpose. He just wants to destroy everything because he's crazy. So <laughs> that is who he is. Um, the The moment is so great when the Watcher kind of comes in when, when uh, Ultron is sitting there. Uh, pondering what that he, there's nothing left for him to do and starts talking. The second that the Watcher opens his mouth, Vision's, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Ultron's eyes pop open mm -hmm. and he starts sort of searching around because you're like close on his eyes. And the acting is really great because he is, he's, he's thinking, he's processing and like the slow turn, he's like, who's, who's saying that? Who's talking? And yeah, Jeffrey Wright really goes for the comedy when he says what the hell is this yeah like, and there's this thing and like this whole scene and the scene that you guys were talking about that comes up right after this um 
there's something really fun. We're so used to the watcher kind of talking in this third person narrative right. as he is telling us a story about what happens. So anytime he breaks the narrative and becomes much more human, uh, it's really, really enjoyable. Like there's really mm-hmm. something about him like that or in the moment in the, in the archives when uh, Clint's about to give up and he's like, no, it's right there. It's Woody. And he like really wants to intervene, but he took the vow and he's struggling on what to do. Like he, it was just really, really enjoyable. Kind of, to what you guys were saying about kind of the similarities with the characters, there's something about having the two most (laughs) human Avengers in this episode, Mm -hmm. where you have a sociopathic robot that is really more human than he thinks he is, and a watcher watcher who gets more human moments in this than he's gotten Mm. previously, where everybody's being a little bit more human in this episode. Um, But yeah, all all the, you're almost there, you've almost got it, and Clint's whole moment. I mean, like, when he says, you know, when he, like we said, he's got the Ronin haircut at the beginning. When yeah. the nukes go off, his first thought is Laura. And then you get this moment where, you know, Nat's trying to, like, keep things light. And he's like, look, he's like, my my uh, my will to live meter is about zero. Like, he's like, I can't I can't do this. And you're like, yeah, man, like, I get it. Like, you got you got nothing left. Like, he's going on fumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's really, really, really lovely. And then, yeah, to Emma's point, you're like, fucking Zola. Like, fucking, fucking Zola. And like, what's great about it is it totally, it totally makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. It yeah. Oh, it makes total it is, sense. It, it's one of those great moments where it's a left field thing. Like the, the, the solution is so out of left field. You're like, wait, what? And then you're mm-hmm. like, actually, yeah, this yeah. is. This totally, this totally tracks. This makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, every moment, like to, to Emma's point, like when, when the watcher is in the room and the room sort of goes like this and he hears Ultron sort of whispering, like they just do such a good job of making Ultron such a massive threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And also just like, I was thinking about the sociopath point, which is yeah. that like, that's like the definition of a psychopath is the fact that he is completely denying that like there is any sort of humanity in him that he is so singular minded and he's like no this is what i am like he truly does not question himself right yeah something to admire a sociopath something to be admired has has the thoughts a psychopath acts on the thoughts there's the difference i think uh, someone broke it down to Mm, me i'm pretty sure that sociopaths and psychopaths are actually the same thing it has been Ruled in recent years. Mm, I'll have to do some research <laughs> on that. I'll ask Ultron about it. All right, let's move on to our next section here. Black, Wico- Black Widow and Hawkeye head to an underground base as uh, Black Widow explains how Zola has put his brain in a bunch of analog computers. Very interesting, very similar to what we got in uh, Winter Soldier with uh, uh, Black Widow and Captain America, except this time she's going down with Hawkeye, who's also remo- who has the mechanical arm, which is what Bucky had. So interesting Captain America connections here. As we're going forward, they power uh, everything up and we get a similar Winter Soldier scene with Zola showing up on the computer. Pretty awesome stuff. They give him the 411 of what they need from him. Zola resists helping them, saying, why would your needs ever match up with my needs? And then Barton threatens to kill his mainframe with a little bit of, was it gasoline or water or whatever it is? Water. I think it's water. <laughs> Just that simple, water. Uh, all right, anyway, uh, and, and that's when uh, uh, Zola uh, concedes and, and accepts helping them. Uh, Black Widow calls Ultron Sentry and orders a pizza. Which leads to the sentries, which leads the sentries to co- to find them and come after them. Barton downloads Zola's code into an arrow flash drive. Is there anything he can't do with these fucking arrows? And their plan is to shoot it into a sentry and wait for ninety seconds as it uploads into the Ultron mainframe and disables Ultron and all the sentries, possibly. Uh, and uh, Zola says, "Oh well." They warn Zola about it, and he says, "Well, he will not be the first genocidal maniac I've had to contend with." Yeah. After they <laughs> download it, they torch the computer, and Black Widow gets certain joy out of saying, "Burn it." Uh, the sentries show up. Hawkeye shoots one with the arrow that has the code on it, and they start attacking all the other sentries as they drag that one sentry with the code behind a closed door. The sentry stands up with the code, and it is Zola speaking through his through the sentry there and black widow promptly shoots his legs off uh zola which really pisses him off and hawkeye assures him hey we're doing this because we don't trust you zola achieves supposedly the hive connection but the Ultron, but the ultron hive mind is out of range so the sentries keep coming through the door they escape up to a shaft ahead of the surface as the sentries break through they fight them off for for as long as they can mm-hmm. with some cool new gadgets Hawkeye gets knocked off by the, one of the sentry's shots, and Black Widow 
grabs his arm, saves him there by his hand. Very similar to what we got in Avengers Endgame. But Hawkeye says, I told you I'm tired of fighting. Let's go and sacrifices himself to kill the sentries and buy them some time. There's an explosion as Black Widow and I call and what I call Zolatron jump out <laughs> and she does her posing pose uh, and accepts the fact that Clint has died. And a great distance shot of her on her knees mm-hmm. uh, uh, con- uh, accepting the fact that Clint is gone. Shannon, I love this section of the damn show and it had the greatest uh, picture in the what if so far with Hawkeye slowly descending as he's shooting Ooh. a faraway shot. I've I've clipped it Ooh. out and put it on my phone because I don't want to forget that shot. Very similar to the way I felt when Thor was flying in after he'd done all the lightning into those people on the Rainbow Bridge. So talk to me about this section of the show. What stood out for you? What did you like? What did you think about how they handled this? Well, I mean, it's also reminiscent of the cap shot in Endgame, the the one one man, ah. one man versus the army, uh, yes. um, which right. was Good again just, just a great, yeah. great, beautiful shot. Um, not the first time that Clint has used a flash drive arrow because he used one in Avengers. Like that's when he was under right. Loki's control. Like he shot mm-hmm. that in and was able to take down their uh, take down the uh, the helicarrier. Um, the great thing about what if is there are there are just some of these secrets that are being revealed through the use of the multiverse, and one of them in this one is Clint's middle name. Uh, the Francis. fact that his middle name is Francis. Francis. He doesn't, he doesn't want to talk his, about it. Named after his Mima. <laughs> named after his Mima. It's Mima. a family name. Um, the Zola scene. I mean, who doesn't love Toby Jones? Oh I mean, my god. Uh, he, he's just so so fantastic. And the moment that um, Nat. Uh, makes him aware of the danger of Clint spilling a little bit of water on him. The Looney Tune takes that that camera was doing <laughs> back and forth. Again, so satisfying. Uh, that's what Marvel just does so well is mm. being able to have these heavier stakes-driven scenes, but having that moment of levity, having mm-hmm. that moment of comedy. And it's and it's it's not forced. It's not pushed. They're not going for a mm. joke. Like this is something that that camera that 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 processing system is actually taking into account. Like oh god, oh god, oh god. How how are we going to get out of this? <laughs> the actual action scene itself, just awesome. Mm. Um, I love the use of the design of when he gets the uh, flash drive arrow in Ultron's yeah. eye, and then suddenly the underlighting is green. Mm-hmm. Um, so right away, I mean, that's done for us. So we can be like, oh, that's <clears throat> that Zola right there. Um, but also just design-wise, it just looks super cool. And then watching them trying to escape up that silo, very mm. reminiscent of Civil War, um, but with uh, right. uh, much less hope in, in, in this area. And yeah, when Clint does sacrifice himself, when we get that reversal of the scene in Endgame, you know, it's beautiful. And it, and it did, uh, yes, that shot that you talked about, that, that <sighs> one versus a million shot, I mean, that's a, be- that's a, that's a framed piece of artwork mm-hmm. that should be on a wall. Um, yeah. And yeah, watching the kind of, despair that nat feels that not only am i alone now i just lost my best friend yeah really hard yeah yeah mike thoughts on this section here as we got more with uh, black widow and with hawkeye but also realizing the hive mind is not something they can connect to and what that uh means for the overall story here yeah well uh you know i mean the as far as the hive mind things go, that's the reason why you had that 90 second beat at the beginning where Natasha was mm. like, we have 90 seconds in that opening battle is because it takes the hive time, it takes the hive 90 seconds to re-upload up to main Ultron and get the new uh, new direction. So we know that that's how long it takes and that's why it's important for this scene. But the other thing that I loved about this scene as we're talking about all the references is this this isn't just reminiscent of the, the scene in Civil War. Like, they are literally in the exact same silo. Like, they are in the base that they go to in Civil in, in, in Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that correct? Because she says that they, that when they were with that, Clint, that was Winter Soldier. Gotcha. Okay. No, no, no. But Armand Zola is in the base at Camp Lehigh, uh, right. where she finds him with Steve Rogers. Right. But then she goes, there is a, there, there is a Armand Zola at a Hydra mm. base, a Hydra facility in Siberia. Gotcha. Um, so this is and the Hydra the facility in Siberia is from Civil War. And when you go in, when they go in there, you actually can see um, the glowing tubes where all of the other, uh, uh, super soldier serum people were i mean it's it's definitely the exact same uh gotcha. place and then armin zola is there 
Armenzola is a dick. He is a computer dick, and I love it. He is. It's so great. He's so pompous, and I just love, like, he he uploads, and he's like, ah, Natasha Romanoff, and he literally is like, he he goes, he goes, um, he goes, I bet you have many questions, Fraulein, about who and how and what. And she's like, no, I already met another version of you already. Like, I know this. We need your help. And he's like, why would I help you? Uh, you are a shield. I am. And, and then Clint is like, a lot has happened. You are really behind on the times. Like, I, just, yeah. I love this guy who thinks he's like this pompous ass and has no clue what's going on at all. Kind of to Shannon's point, it's like they're not trying to make Armin Zola stupid. Like, they're not making him an hmm. idiot. But it just, this program wouldn't know this stuff. And so it makes sense. And it also happens to be really, really, really funny. Um, But yeah, so then to your point, like they upload the thing, they're waiting the 90 seconds, the Zolatron, as you call him, is like, Zolatron, yes. Three, two, one, and it should work. And it doesn't. Uh, And as he says later on, when Natasha asks him why it didn't work, it's because he's not in the universe. Like he's not, he's Mm -hmm. literally not. There he, he, there he is nowhere to be found. Um, the whole battle was amazing. Um, them going up into the silo was amazing. I particularly loved sort of the, I'll call it poetry. I think it's mm-hmm. poetry. Like okay. you got, for, for, Natasha has the shield. She's doing all the awesome cap moves. She's like killing it with that shield. Yes. You've got, you've got one-armed uh, Clint and you have a the Zolatron, which is an Ultron bot, which is actually uh, Iron Man armor. Like it's that's mm. where Ultron made all his things. So right. we have a Civil War scene where you have Tony Stark, Cap, and Bucky fighting it out in the silo. And now in this What If episode, we are in the exact same silo with one hero who has a shield, one hero who is one armed, and one hero and one <laughs> character who is an Iron Man armor bot. Like oh, it, the, the poetry, the poetry of the moment. I was just like, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that is the sole reason they gave Clint an arm and had yeah. Natasha get the Red Guardian. Uh, yeah. you're, like, you're like, oh, we're gonna have this moment, and this is what we want to do, yeah. and. It's like they don't make a huge point of it. They don't like put a spotlight on it. But if you're watching it and you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. And so to have have that moment and then go right into the end game in reverse moment, um, it's just like I said, like this is a show that is 100 percent for hardcore MCU fans. And it's moments like that that really, really, really deliver. Yeah, a thousand percent. Just real quick. I took a picture of it on my phone. There it is. Uh, Ah, There it is. Oh, good. It's so I mean, good. It's a beautiful show. Yeah, it was right? beautifully done. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Emma, okay, Emma, let's get into what did you think of this section here uh, and what we got between Black Widow and Hawkeye and also what we saw with Zola and what he was able to do and trying, as Michael said, trying to kind of outsmart them from uh, his condescending place inside the computer mainframe. Well, I loved that Natasha ordered a pizza. Um, yeah, that so was brilliant. incredible. It reminded me of... Uh, <laughs> In Jessica Jones, there's an episode where she, like, finds out one person that is, you know, like, connected to the purple man. And she calls them and she basically pretends that they've won something. So it was, like, very reminiscent of that. (laughs) I remember thinking it was brilliant on that show and it was just as brilliant ordering a pizza uh, here in this series. I I loved the new, like, James Bond gadget they had, that, like, Mm. energy shield that they used to contain all of the, like... Ultron drones basically mm-hmm. that were coming after them. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, that that whole scene that was really a parallel with what was going on in Endgame um, and the reversing of their roles. And I mean, I recognized immediately what was going on. Like as soon as they grabbed yeah. hands, I went, yeah. okay, I know what's about to happen here. <laughs> um, especially because, uh, you know, it, and there was, there is a level of it of, you know, Natasha in Endgame is saying, hey, I don't have anything else really left to live for. You do. And here it's reversed of she never had anybody to begin with, but he did and he's lost everything. And so now he's giving up. Right. So it's yeah, Yeah. it was just it was a fascinating parallel. um, And uh, and yeah, (laughs) just fucking Zola, man. (laughs) Well, she's Zola. She's fighting to save her family or the adopted family and Clint lost his actual family. So that the reversal there is a great point you make. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, Michael. No, I also was just going to say on the ordering the pizza front, I loved 
more than anything that Ultron sounded like a grumpy old man. Yes. Like, who like, is there this? Was like, a, wait, what? Like, he's like, he was like, he was like, who is this? Where are you? Like, it was like, it was like, he's just like, he like, it sounded like Ultron had fallen asleep in his lazy boy and like had been woken up by Natasha. It was just so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's move on to the last section here of the show. Zolatron says they should keep moving. He explains to Black Widow that he couldn't connect to the hive mind because Ultron is not within the observable universe. And Black Widow asks, well, where the hell is he? Well, we cut to the Watcher and Ultra Vision battling it out. This is awesome. Great animation. Great to see the Watcher and the kind of power that he has. And for those of us who are comic fans, a lot of what the Watcher used, we've seen in panels in comic books the actual besides the black spots within the power stuff that was awesome to see uh what the watcher is at a loss and ultron explains anything is possible in a multiverse after the watcher does not understand how this is possible and he sends the watcher through walls of reality into this like forest area then he clears out the forest area uh, to create a field to battle him Ultron complains that the Watcher had all this power, all this ability to watch these this entire multiverse, and all he did was watch instead of interfering. They have him back. They have a back and forth about the Watcher's will, and the Watcher says, "You don't know what my will is, son." And they keep battling through universes, and there's even this kind of interesting Galactus moment where we see Ultravision like eating a galaxy, eating a world. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't scream, "It's Galactus," but uh, I thought it. Uh, <laughs> they, they they land in one of these worlds that are very similar to earth and steve rogers is being sworn in as president i know that's so interesting uh that ultron descends slowly and then after once again vilifying him for being just a watcher and he they, they have this incredible sequence where he every punch he lands on the watcher is pushing him through a different boundary of the multiverse. We see multi, including wakanda and all these other places and they end up on this snowy planet and he tries to consume the Watcher's brain, and the Watcher eventually becomes strong enough to punch him off and escapes through a portal. Ultron says, run, watch, it doesn't matter. No yeah. one can stop him now. And then there's a black frame, and we cut to the Watcher as we come out of the black frame, and he is joined by evil or dark Doctor Strange. who want, And he says, you want me to break my oath, don't you? And Doctor Strange says, oh, yes. And he says, oh, the Watcher says, you want me to say it? Yes, I do. And the Watcher says that I see now I need your help. And we cut to black. And it's an awesome ending to this episode. Michael, I go back to you to start us off here. What did you think about this? And I mean, we'd already had two like pretty awesome cataclysmic battles. And then we have yet another one here that almost tops the first two with the scope of the battles that go as it goes through multiple universes. Yeah, the multiversal slugfest was really, <laughs> it was really, really something to behold. Uh, when the Watcher powers up, I noticed the same thing you did, which, like you were saying, like all mm. those weird dots when he powers up is the power cosmic. Yes. Uh, which if you're like a hardcore fan of the comics, that's the power that Galactus uses and the Silver mm-hmm. Surfer uses and, you know, a lot of the bigger godlike beings use. And the Watcher is definitely one of those. I also saw somebody on Twitter point out that when he sort of design- makes his shield, the line work around the shields looks similar to what we've seen some of the characters doing in the Eternals. Uh, And that's probably not accidental either that we are, we are stepping into an era of Marvel where we are getting into multiverses and watchers and galactuses and heralds and celestials and eternals and things are going to get weird. uh, And I am here for it. Mm. Um, Some cool sort of potential Easter eggs. I'm not saying any of these are true, but as they're sort of, as they're sort of slugging through each of these realities and you're going super fast, you go through sort of a desert environment with what looks like a futuristic pyramid, um, which Mm. some people are thinking might be the pyramid of Kang. Um, because Kang uh, mm-hmm. had a giant pyramid back in ancient Egypt. Um, a cool sort of Easter egg about the President Rogers moment, which I don't think is intentional, but uh, there is a sign in Times Square that's for Olympia the musical, which is also in the episode when Loki takes over. Because when Loki takes uh, over mm-hmm. after the Avengers, they show him on the screen in Times Square. So a lot of people on Twitter were like, oh, well, then Nick Fury got Cap out and he beat Loki and whatever. And I, I don't think that's actually true. I think just yeah. they designed it. The, the animation team had designed a Times Square already, and they were like, oh, good, we can just We're going to use one. the same Times Square, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's cool, but it's cool that it's the same Times Square. And then kind of the coolest one, um, 
we go through sort of a lava planet and it has sort of this uh futuristic tower mm. up in the distance that yeah. looks an awful lot like Darth Vader's base on <laughs> That's Mutant. exactly what I was so, thinking. I was literally thinking the same so similar thing. Similar to uh similar to the <laughs> fact that when we were in the uh, T'Challa episode uh and we were at the collectors there was an X-wing kind of hidden away yeah. mm-hmm. in all of his ships. I think this might be another like people are like here it comes baby the crossover we've been waiting for and I'm like slow your roll. <laughs> but uh, but a good a good little Easter egg. So I mean, I think that like just all of that stuff, like you said, Johnny, when they were punching, and it's like it's Wakanda, it's medieval times, yeah. it's scrolls, it's this. It really is. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just showing that we really uh, we all have an understanding of the multiverse now, thanks to this show, and we, and now we just get to play in it, and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I just love like again, we all sort of assumed and were guessed that we were going to get this whole like team up with a lot of the characters that we've seen throughout the season, but it just mm-hmm. made so much sense. Like Uatu like has to get away from, uh, from Ultravision and he goes to the one place where Ultravision is going to have a hard time finding him, which is a dead universe. Cause yeah. who would ever look in a dead universe? Like only the watcher because he's been watching knows that there's this tiny little mirror dimension bubble <laughs> with Dr. Strange in it, just living out his days. And so he goes to hide there because that's the, only place he can hide because that's how powerful this version of Ultron is. I like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, good points. Uh Emma, what stood out for you as we uh, wrapped up this episode in this section of the show? Well, I I noticed the Mustafar thing as well. Uh mm. and also will say that, you know, Marvel does publish Star Wars comics, so, you know. It's a yeah. multiverse, y'all. It's a multiverse uh, and we're, we're all living in it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it made a, an extreme amount of sense that the place that Uatu was basically forced to go, especially because he had a direct conflict yeah. with right. Strange Supreme, um, that basically he was like, no, you, you can't do this. Like if you mess with the sort of circle of life, you are going to end the universe. So like what... So is this in some ways a repercussion for that? Because again, now we're starting to see all of these different multiverses converge. I also loved how it went from the scene where there were like people looking over their shoulders and then they popped through and it was like characters in the exact same pose, same sort of expressions on their faces, but they turned into scrolls because, you know, like secret invasion stuff. And yeah, I just, again, I, I think that this did such a good job of building up to all of what we've seen so far converging into something and basically tying up all the little cliffhangers that every single one of these episodes ended on. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Shannon, uh, any what, what do you say about this section? What do you say about the fights uh, between them two? And do he's shown up in this, as Michael pointed out, the small Doctor Strange, evil Doctor Strange universe, and he says, you know, he's kind of banned himself to this universe, or he's been put in this universe to live out his days. But this is an evil Doctor Strange that learned his lesson right at the end. He was begging for his mm-hmm. life. So, is this a Doctor Strange that's actually going to be someone that we cheer for as he, as the Watcher, assembles this team to go after? Um, Ultravision. What do you think about this ending and that section of the Doctor Strange uh, conversation? I think being banished to this little mirror dimension has not made him not a dick. Like he's no. still <laughs> like you're you're gonna you're gonna make me say it, aren't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and how we didn't come to this last time that Dark Doctor Strange should be called Dark. Or strange. Uh, 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 thank you, Emma. Oh. <laughs> what? Wow. In terms of the action and everything, all, all that's the not funny on me. any universe. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Emma Fife would beg to disagree. Oh. <laughs> dark door strange. Oh my god. Hashtag dark door strange. Um, uh, character beats the action. Vogel and Emma pretty much covered it. I mean, I love the literal reality shattering because of this mm. fight um ultron literally knocking him in to the next universe um just awesome and you know the watcher always has kind kind of had a funny design he's kind of got the giant baby head um but even when he powers up and gets that armor it's like okay this this is pretty fantastic and i know we kind of think that of this as a as a kind of a two-part finale it's really three because yeah. You know, the the end of the mm-hmm. last episode is what led us into this. So, I mean, mm. 
knowing that the next universe we're going to see, at least in terms of a battle, seems to be the one that Party Thor is in charge of. Party um, Thor! I, I mean, it's definitely, it, it, it has set the stage for an awesome finale. Um, and also, there's so, there's still so much to cover for next season as well. Um, yeah. yeah, this was this was a this was a great episode. Ultravision is going to harsh his mellow. That's for damn sure when he gets to that section. Um, all right, any yeah. final words here for you guys? Uh, any final words on this episode before we wrap up? Uh, Ultron, <laughs> Ultron really no, makes Thanos look like a chump for how he uses those Infinity Stones. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean. I wonder too if because you know how in Loki they allude to the fact that there's just like endless infinity stones and they're basically just paperweights like I wonder if that has something to do with like Ultron and his ability to harness the power of the infinity stones I don't know. Uh, well, along those lines, I did think, like, uh, there's one point where the Watcher actually says, I think when when Ultron, like, burst into his kind of crystal cavern, mm-hmm. and he's like, what's going on? This shouldn't be possible. And I did have a moment where I was like, well, if they hadn't fucking got rid of the TVA, this wouldn't be possible. Somebody would have shown up and put nip this in the bud. <laughs> I Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking that, too. When does the TVA get involved in this situation? Because they've presented it to us. So it does the TVA exist in any of these multiverses? Well, what's going on? No, because I mean, like, I mean, I like, I, well, I could time be wrong wise, this, where is this? I don't know. Time wise, well, right. time wise, time well, wise, the multiverse, time wise, the multiverse mm. exists because of what happened at the end of Loki. Like, right. right, like there were there were other universes to a degree, but the TVA was sort of trimming right. and hedging and clipping and pruning. And my understanding of why they put what if after the Loki series is what we are now experiencing is the actual multiverse uh, that happens in the absence of a TVA. But also, I was just thinking that that Doctor Strange, uh, he has no, but he still has the eye of Agamotto because it never Uh, like Infinity War never happened in his universe. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, go ahead. Isn't that an infinity stone? Doesn't he have the infinity stone? The time stone stone is in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what she's saying. She's saying Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that I'm not going to say it. The Doctor Strange from that episode, (laughs) uh, he has the Eye of Agamotto from his universe. He's still has it. Oh, from his universe. Got it. Yeah, from his universe. He's he's got it. And there are... And I don't know, you know, I mean, we'll see if that's the way they go with mm. this finale, but there are other universes that have other infinity stones. Like they right. could all, I mean, you could have an entire Guardians of the Multiverse and they could all infinity yeah. stone up and Not come true. and and just infinity stone the shit out of Ultron. So we'll see what happens. Somebody give Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, because remember, um, don't they have one of the infinity stones on the jet at the end of the zombies episode? Yeah, yeah, yes, they have they the do. Mind Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I'm stone. now thinking that like the everybody at the end of the episodes, they're gonna come together because they've all got like one Infinity Stone. This better be an hour long fucking. Episode. <laughs> Don't give me no half an hour episode of this shit. I want to see more. All right, well there you go. That's our spoiler <laughs> review of uh, episode eight here of uh, of the season one of What If What If Ultron One. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for joining us for this one, um, Shannon. What do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Thank you. And Mikey? Uh, whether you like the heroes of the multiverse or like John Roca, you just really respect the hell out of a sociopath. Uh, you have that. people. You have people here that are your people. Uh, we love what we're doing. We love you guys joining us. We want to continue to do this. So uh, if you would like to help us, here's what you can do. You can hit that like button below. Subscribe to John Outlaw Na- John's Outlaw Nation page. There's a ton of awesome content. Leave your comments below. What did you think of this episode? Where do you think we're going next week? Where do you want to see What If Go next? Uh, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so that more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, and let everybody know that Geek Buddies are some cool and classy peeps that are here to hang out with you. Yeah. I'd like to remind you, if I was a sociopath, 
it would be the geek buddy. That's it. Uh, and thank you to Emma Fife, who's joined us again. Joy, Emma, you're the best to tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Everything that going on, please. Well, I am at Emma Fife all over the internet, wherever Emma Fife's are sold. Uh, I've got a bunch of projects up on the Fandom Games YouTube channel, as well as on the game section of the main Fandom website. I've got uh, my most recent piece is about the evolution of the massively multiplayer online RPG uh, Mm -hmm. to coincide with the release of Amazon Studios New World, which just came out this week. Uh, and then everything else that I'm working on, and there's a lot of cool things I can't talk about. So <laughs> make sure you're following me on Twitter and you'll hear about them someday. There you go. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, do everything Michael uh, and Shannon and Emma said. And uh, come back and join us uh, next week. And we'll talk about whether we can do a live spoiler review finale for the finale here of What If. Uh, and we'll let you know very soon about that. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And that's it from us here at the Geek Buddies. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down, no filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.